0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, there's one question that I've been asked so much this week, and today I will take that question and deliver it right to the man who's certainly better capable of answering than I am. What all of you have been asking is, since the early buzz earlier this week, is, hey, What's going on with uh, five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola? Uh, Is the nation's number one prospect really about to commit to Georgia, and why did everybody think he was a few days ago, and he hasn't since then, and when is it going to happen, and what's going on here? Well, I don't know that I have the answer to that question for you, but I believe that Jeff Sintel can give certainly a better answer than I can. So before we are done on today's show, we will pose that question directly to him. And also in addition to that as i was telling our video audience there a moment ago maybe the saddest of sad trombones wah, 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 going the way of the alabama crimson tide here in a couple of minutes this is uh, really fun and uh, kind of funny we'll get to that uh, also a huge huge uh i think big time differentiator for georgia and it's chance to be a national champion here this year, why it can go for three and 23, maybe in better shape to do that than its chief competition. We'll talk all about this coming up over the course of the next few minutes. But as a, I guess, segue to eventually talking to Jeff about five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola, let me also kind of give you a little bit of extra context on Raiola here just for a moment about why there is so much chatter about his recruitment here right now and why if and when eventually Raiola commits to Georgia, this will be a very big deal. I respect the opinion of Terrence Edwards so much. Terrence joins us on the show each and every Thursday. Terrence is a great, you know, kind of figure in the sport right now as a coach and a guy who very close with a lot of players. But in his own right, back in his playing days, he was obviously a terrific Georgia player, the only receiver in Georgia history to ever amass more than a thousand yards in a season terrence edwards is a very big deal when it comes to georgia football so anything he th- thinks or says about current or future georgia players is going to kind of matter to me so when terrence was on the show yesterday i asked him directly about you know why do you think there is just so much chatter about dylan riola kind of where does this come from from him as a player is he worthy of all the hype that he seems to be getting right now And terrence watches film and he, he kind of really zeroes in on these players, especially the ones that might come to Georgia. So in light of the fact that we're talking so much about Dylan Raiola this week, Terrence Edwards' explanation for why he thinks that Raiola is such a valuable prospect, I think provides us some much needed context. So here is Terrence yesterday on what the fuss is about when it comes to the nation's number one prospect and five-star quarterback, Dylan Raiola. Here's Terrence.
1: He's talented the number one quarterback in his upcoming class. And I've watched the film a lot. And one thing that jumps off to me is He's a big kid to be oh, 16, 17 years old right now. 6'3", listen at 6'3", 220, and, and you know, his, his father played in the NFL, so he has the pedigree, he has the, the know-how and the wherewithal to understand what it's going to take to get to that level. And if you just watch his film, he's very polished as a thrower. He will run, but his main asset is being able to sit back in that pocket and throw the football
0: So you've heard statements like that made about five star quarterbacks each and every year. There's always kind of a quarterback of the moment. And there's always a guy that seems to be generating that kind of talk, whether it be show hosts like me, former players and analysts like Terrence Edwards, recruiting guys, you know, people on message boards and social media every single year, there's sort of the quarterback that creates all the talk. But what Terrence is kind of saying here about uh, Dylan Riola is, is that there's actually potentially a skill set here that translates the typical year over year over year buildup of one quarterback. Because if we're honest here for a moment, a year ago, a lot of us were right here doing the same thing at last year's quarterback of the moment five-star quarterback arch Manning, and last year around this time all anybody was talking about was arch and arch this and arch that now ultimately arch made the decision to go to texas but one way or another there was still a lot of in interest in the overall skill set of arch manning but when terrence edwards says he compares manning last year who was getting all this buzz to Riola, the guy getting all this buzz this year terrence says that he actually likes dylan Riola better this is terrence edwards once again from yesterday
1: There's no disrespect to anyone, but I'm glad that we didn't take a quarterback and dislike in the 23 class Mm -hmm. uh, because I like this quarterback better than the one that we went after last year. He has a lot to like. He has a lot of the intangibles that you're looking for as a quarterback, and I'm happy, and hopefully he comes to Georgia.
0: Now, hold on now. You know I'm not going to let that go. So you think Dylan's a better prospect than Arch Manning? Yes. Yes, I do. So as a show host, obviously, I'm going to latch on to the really good hot take. Dylan Raiola, better than Arch Manning. That's the kind of thing you can sell a podcast with right there. I mean, let's just be honest here. We're in the uh, clicks business, and that's pretty good for clicks. When you get that kind of strong opinion, strong hot take from Terrence Edwards, that that Dylan Raiola, he believes a better prospect now than Arch Manning was a uh, year ago. I just think that's a, an interesting statement. And the way in which Terrence describes that there of the idea of as it turns out now Terrence who's obviously uh going to cheer for his alma mater and uh be a Georgia fan in addition to being a former Georgia player as it turns out Terrence says I'm actually glad that Georgia didn't get Arch Manning a year ago because if getting Arch Manning a year ago had hurt Georgia's chances of getting five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola right now that actually would be a bad thing now Arch is not a bad player but it would be a bad thing done to be in play for Raiola right now and getting Manning and disqualifying you from getting a chance to get Raiola Terrence and so that would have been a net negative for the georgia program boy that's a fascinating statement so since you make such a bold claim there and since you know terrence laid it out so clearly i wanted to find out from him on yesterday's show a little bit more about well why is ryle better than arch you know where does this come from what is this about once again terrence was very articulate and kind of explaining the value that he sees in Riola in comparison to the value that was perceived to be seen in arch manning a year ago terrence edwards one more time
1: uh, after watching Art last year, he, he, it just never jumped off the page for me. He, his his skill set uh, just didn't, for me, it just didn't say number one quarterback in the country last year. Uh, my number one quarterback in the country is, is Nico that went to okay. Tennessee. Okay. You, saw the, you saw the arm strength. You saw the arm talent. Um, I just did not see, and no disrespect to anyone, this is just my opinion, if it's I don't think if this last name was Manning, I don't think he would have been the number one quarterback in the country last.
0: So you can't lay it out any more clearly than that. Terrence Edwards certainly does so. He likes Dylan Raiola more than any quarterback in the class this year and better than the famed Arch Manning from a year ago. And that's obviously who Georgia right now is fighting to win the recruitment with. And some folks were on guard for that to happen this week looks like as of now it might not happen the worst luck in the world for me if it would happen next week while I'm on the cruise although as a Georgia fan I'll be glad if uh, Ryla commits whenever he does but selfishly speaking I sort of hope it doesn't occur while we're on the dog nation cruise because I want to be here to talk to you about all of that but listen you'll take it as it goes uh one way or another but if and when it does happen, Terrence Edwards kind of lays out there just how valuable a prospect that Georgia is getting when it comes to five-star Dylan Raiola, if it does indeed get him. But that's not all. I I want to invite you to go back and fully listen to the interview yourself because the other thing that Terrence points out here and when Jeff joins us a little bit later on we're going to talk certainly more about this too is it seems obvious right now that as happens a lot in recruiting that the presence of the big time quarterback in the class if Riola is eventually that guy for UGA that's also going to have tremendous coattails and also going to bring a lot of wide receivers in the conversation with Georgia that otherwise we're led to believe they probably wouldn't be in the conversation with you know Georgia recruits the elite five stars at virtually every single position but the wide receiver spot has been that place yet where Georgia kind of hasn't quite broken through it the same way now I think Brian McClendon, who's here now and you know guys who've been here before I think they were doing a good job bringing in wide receivers who've been able to contribute and help Georgia obviously win the last two national championships so clearly things aren't broken uh around here UGA necessarily at any position group but in terms of the level of talent that comes in at say like linebacker or defensive back or defensive line or certainly tight end uh, offensive line maybe the wide receiver spot hasn't quite matched that same level of success but as Terrence Edwards did on yesterday show if Dylan Raiola comes, that could change. And all of a sudden, you know, the name that Terrence mentioned specifically on the show yesterday was Ryan Wingo, five-star out of uh, St. Louis. That's a guy who've had plenty of online chatter this week, being far more connected to UGA than you might typically expect a five-star receiver like that to be. And you're left to assume that Dylan Raiola is kind of the genesis of all of this. When Jeff's here with us later on, we'll ask Jeff how real that is with a a Ryan Wingo or other elite wide receivers that may be giving Georgia that second look that they maybe haven't always given George in the past. That is the value of a five star quarterback, but not just any five star quarterback. The five star quarterback who could be arguably the very best player in the country, regardless of position, and better this year than a very famous last name was a year ago in Arch Manning. That is what Terrence Edwards says. Who am I to argue with him? He is certainly a former UGA great and an expert on this subject matter. So, maybe it's not going to happen this week maybe it will happen next week when we're on the dog nation cruise which i sort of hope it's not true <laughs> but one way or another i'll just be glad as a georgia fan if and when it does happen because it sounds like dylan raiola is quite a special quarterback prospect and he could draw a lot of interest from quite a few special wide receiver prospects who want to play with a guy like this my name is brandon Adams, and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by kroger and happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video normally it's 9 45 for our first and 15 at dognation.com the dog nation app. we had some technical difficulties today we were not able to join you there for that i apologize for that but hopefully everything's going well now and we're available across sounds like we are across all video platforms so couple minutes late getting the regular show started had the issue with the first and 15 today but i think we're all kind of squared away now which is good of course next week we will be on our dog nation cruise that means on monday tuesday wednesday thursday we're going to do some pre-recorded shows so no first and 15 as planned for next week but then the following monday we'll be back to normal and kind of ready to roll through a good portion of the summer uh, with you on that, so be a little bit patient with us next week. We will have a great series of pre-recorded shows. We're putting the finishing touches on those today, and of course, we'll get back to the uh, first and fifteen again. You know, kind of a week from now, next Monday. There on all that, of course, radio noon, Athens Sports Radio nine six The Ref podcast across all pa- podcast platforms. Just appreciate you being here. And appreciate our friends at Kroger for making this possible there too. And one of the things that Kroger wants you to be aware of is we're actually coming up next week on a day known as Administrative Professionals Day. That's April 26th, that's Wednesday. And so for all the people in your life who are maybe helping your business thrive or the place that you work, maybe making that work day go a little smoother, those administrative professionals, great way to say thank you and show your appreciation for them coming up this upcoming Wednesday. And Kroger's got everything you need to do that. Gift card, greeting card, that special thank you uh, note that you want to send there for that. You can just stop by and do your shopping for this in-store at Kroger or go online to Kroger.com to find out more about that. Great to have Kroger uh, presenting Dog Nation daily to us here today. Let me very quickly kind of reiterate something I said yesterday. I won't go super long on this, but I do want to remind you that Dog Nation cruise, we're leaving Sunday to be there sailing out of Port Canaveral on Monday. So for us, that means a pre-record on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. Now, Obviously, there's a chance that Rilo could commit. Maybe. I mean, listen, who knows what's going to happen? Nothing is guaranteed in the future. But obviously, there were some people who were on guard for that this past week. So maybe people are still on guard for that at any point in time in the future. The transfer portal is still open. You know, there's a lot that could happen. Obviously, the NFL draft, the first round is uh, Thursday night there as well. We have a big draft party on tap for the final night of our Dog Nation crews coming up. The point is, is there will be news that breaks next week while we're here, while while we're not here. Connor Riley has been gracious enough to sort of stay back and kind of man the fort for us while we're gone. That means if something big happens, Connor will go live. And on Friday, If you watch on video in the normal slot where this show airs on Friday, we're actually going to take a break from Dog Nation Daily and let Connor just go live and talk directly to you about the uh, dogs that get taken in the first round, what the outlook is for the rest of the draft, both Friday night and into the weekend, anything transfer portal-wise that might would have gone on, uh, anything recruiting-wise that might would have gone on. Connor will play catch up on all of that. Now I'll be back in uh, the mainland driving back from Florida on Friday, so if I can join in, I'm going to try to, but really can't make many promises about that you know last year coming back from the cruise we tried to do an episode of dog nation daily from the side of the highway that was a little bit tricky logistically i don't quite know that was our most pristine moment so we're not going to try to do that this year we're just going to let uh connor talk to you live on video and catch you up on some of the stuff that has gone on and obviously connor will do a great job with all of that and then back on monday again a week from now Obviously, sort of uh, back as you've kind of come to expect everything. So, hopefully, no questions about any of that. Hopefully, that's all really clear. Looking forward to a fun week on the cruise, great week of pre recorded shows, and then live video from Connor on Friday, and then breaking live uh, during the week at the moment that anything might happen. So, we're all over all of that on multiple fronts. Dog Nation for you next week. As I told you, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask Jeff Sintel the question directly that so many of you want to ask hey what is going on with Dylan Raiola why was everybody manning their battle stations earlier this week and how come it's gone completely quiet since then so we'll talk about all of that here coming up in just a moment that is kind of the hot question of the week so we will go directly to a, a pretty good source on this coming up in a moment prior to that let's go around the doghouse served up today by our friends at the finish long drink and happy to have them as a part of around the dog house, of course and as you're around your own house this weekend I know the finished long drink will go great with whatever your spring plans are for today and let me uh be candid here for a moment we talk about Georgia football on this show for at least an hour a day five days a week 52 weeks out of the year it would almost then seem to be impossible with that much conversation about one pretty narrow subject it would almost seem impossible for us to Somehow, not talk about anything enough. You'd think, well, gosh, with all that time to talk, you might talk about everything more than you should. But even in the midst of all of that, there are still occasionally some things I think we probably don't talk about enough. And I want to give you an example of something that I don't think we've talked about enough in terms of really separating Georgia from any other team that would even have a chance to compete for the national championship this year. There is one thing I believe that is starting to step to the forefront and causing Georgia to step out from the crowd at least in regards to most of the teams, would even put their hand in the air to say we might be a championship contender, one thing that seems to make Georgia a little bit different. Now, if we're guilty of not talking about this enough, then maybe Georgia coach Kirby Smart's also a little bit guilty of this too because he was asked a direct question in his post-game press conference on Saturday after G-Day, and Kirby gave you know, kind of a short answer. He didn't have a lot of words to say, but sometimes a a small number of words can pack a pretty powerful punch in terms of their overall meaning. Here's an example of that. I'm going to show you the question and the answer about what's happening right now at left tackle where Austin Blasky has been competing with Ernest Green. We saw both those guys performing on G-Day this past Saturday. This was the very short, simple, and to the point evaluation of that from Smart after the scrimmage on Saturday. Let's go back in time and hear that right now. Coach, I wanted to ask about Ernest Green and Austin Blaskey kind of both playing at left tackle. What do you think about those two guys today in that uh, as that competition unfolds at that spot? Both those
1: guys are good football players. Excited.
0: <laughs> you sound excited, Kirby. You sound extraordinarily excited. Both those guys are football players. We're excited. And Kirby's not exactly overdoing it there, but the more I kind of look at the landscape around college football right now, the more I start to realize... Wow, the fact that you've got a Marius Mims on one side, and Mims is going to be, I think, very, very good for Georgia this year. And the fact that you've got a legitimate competition between Austin Blasky and Ernest Green right now where you're trying to decide out who the best is, but you'd sort of feel okay playing either one. I'm telling you right now, y'all, that is something that separates Georgia mightily. From most of the other, even teams we might say the very best, the, the the other sort of so-called great teams in college football. Big separation between Georgia and them when it comes to that specific position group right now, offensive tackle. And as a way of kind of like bolstering this point a little bit more, let me give you something. This is Cleveland.com. This is the old like Cleveland Plain Dealer website. This is probably the biggest, along with the Columbus Dispatch. These are probably the two biggest media entities that cover Ohio State football. And so there's like one of these, I was reading this, and it made me think about Georgia because there was like one of these like notebooks pieces at cleveland.com big website that covers Ohio State about what Ohio State needs in the transfer portal now I'm gonna I don't have a fancy graphic to show you because I'm actually gonna read to you a little bit more here than I typically would but you just heard Kirby Smart say hey we have a great right tackle in Marius Mims who started two games a year ago as a former five-star and on the left side, we got a battle between Ernest Green and Austin blasky We like both these players. So that's the context here. Now, the team that came the closest to beating Georgia this past season is Ohio State, and if Georgia is the very best team in the country, most people might say that Ohio State's the second best team in the country. But listen to the separation that appears to be in place Georgia compared to Ohio State when it comes to one of the most important positions in the field, offensive tackle. This is the Cleveland Plain dealer on the subject of Ohio State's desperate need, it would seem, for offensive tackles so the writer says the spring did not do much to alleviate concerns about the tackle situation but in terms of readiness to play at a championship standard of depth Ohio State coach Ryan Day did not rule out looking for a transfer uh when he was asked directly about the tackle situation for last week uh Day says it's a delicate situation for sure now he goes on to say we, we think we uh we believe in the guys we have we know they can do it we're just looking for more consistency so day tries to show support for his players there but at the same time admitting it's a delicate situation of they need better tackle play in their program paris johnson's gone you know guys are gone and they tried to replace these guys in the winter weren't able to do it are looking in the spring right now but as the cleveland plane dealer points out there are not a lot of great offensive tackles or maybe even good offensive tackles in the transfer portal right now so this is what the writer goes on to say problem is ohio state tried to address the offensive tackle issue during the first portal win and they came up short in pursuit of a handful of tackles and a lot of the other power five players entering the portal are essentially equal if not worse than the uh, candidates the Ohio State currently has now they kind of roll through this they mentioned Matthew Wyckoff from Texas A&M a former three-star prospect that's a center but but still you're talking about an offensive lineman who's like a former three-star and not a guaranteed even start at Texas A&M right now Cortland Ford from USC, also a former three star prospect who actually lost his starting job at USC. Jimmy Christ from uh, Penn State's there as well, also a former three star prospect who was a third string guy for Penn State during the spring game. So these are not immediate plug and play starters, the Cleveland Plain dealer is saying about Ohio State's need for an offensive tackle and guys that weren't even guaranteed to start on the offensive line for their old school and not exactly elite recruits. These aren't the kind of guys that can, can immediately step on the field for Ohio State. Then they mentioned a guy named Caleb Etienne from Oklahoma State. That was the the Cowboys starting left tackle a year ago. But his uh, pro football focus grade last season, if you take that seriously at all, was just 51, whereas Ohio State's, you know, guys a year ago were at least all 75, they said. So the point that the Cleveland Plain Dealers pointing out here is, is that Ohio State has a desperate need for offensive tackles ryan day doesn't deny that even as he kind of tries to talk up the players that he currently has because he wants their confidence level to stay somewhat high but in pretty well researched form there they go through the players that are currently available in the transfer portal it's three star this three star that three star that below average guy from oklahoma state with all due respect those are not the kind of guys that ohio state can turn to and say okay come here and immediately make us better all the more reason that Georgia right now has at least three offensive tackles I believe they'd be okay with playing and Monroe Freeling's potential emergence if that continues to happen that could give Georgia four offensive tackles which is something Kirby Smart says that he wants but right now you're talking about Georgia's hope of finding four offensive tackles capable to play where a team like Ohio State's hoping to find two and you gotta have two on the field Ohio State's not even sure they have that y'all this is a big deal this is in the weeds a little bit I realize but that level of tackle depth blasky and green battling it out Mims on the other side freeling maybe on the way as well in terms of really being a freshman that you could potentially count on y'all that could be a differentiator for uh, georgia here this year so since kirby was a little short and to the point after g-day how about right before g-day he was a little bit more descriptive about what georgia's gotten from austin blasky what georgia's gotten from ernest green and in light of a team like ohio state in desperate need of offensive tackles from the transfer portal these words from kirby smart had quite a punch. Here is Kirby again.
1: Uh, they're both doing a good job. They're competing hard. They're rotating in there. Uh, they both are
2: uh, exceptional kids. They're great kids to be around. They both practice really hard. They're both extremely physical. Uh, they both have had dinged up injuries, and neither one has flinched. I mean, like, they won't come out. You know, Ernest waves somebody off because... You know, he wants to stay out there and get his reps and his ankles dinged up one time. Blasky, the same thing. Whether it's shoulder or knee, I see the guy limping. He he wants his reps. And, and I respect more than anything a guy's, you know, mental and physical toughness. They both have that, and uh, they've both done a great job. I mean, we have not made it to a season in, I think, four years that we didn't have a starting tackle miss a game. So, it tells me you better have three tackles. Um, and we're trying really hard to develop
1: three to four tackles.
0: So let me ask you a rhetorical question. I already know the answer to this. Who would you rather be right now? Georgia trying to figure out how good its third and fourth offensive tackle are? Or a team like Ohio State trying to find two capable starters and maybe having to take a flyer on a guy who wasn't even a good performer for a team that's at a level far below what the Buckeyes are? Y'all, that's a big difference right now. That matters. And Austin Blasky's emergence to compete with a guy like Ernest Green, who was obviously a much higher-rated recruit, this speaks to some depth that Georgia has right now. Georgia has more of that at offensive tackle than almost any other program in the country. I think Alabama's got good tackles this year, but, but there are a lot of programs that would like to be good that look at their offensive tackle situation and they go, yikes. Right now, Georgia's just simply trying to decide, okay, we've got at least three, do we have four, and who are the two best? That is a very envious position to be in. One of the reasons why Georgia's won the last two national championship and is the prohibitive favorite to go for three and 23 here as well and that is around the doghouse it's served up today by our friends at the finish laundering. so we're getting ready to enjoy a great week next week but you can have your own great week great weekend anything that goes on this time of year when you enjoy yourself some finish long i'm telling you right now if you haven't tried this before it is great this time of year when you're out at a golf course when you're going to be at the swimming pool here really soon or just sort of hanging out with friends in your front porch your back deck whatever you got going on there whether you're trying the long drink cranberry the long drink strong which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume the long drink zero that's no carbs no sugar you want to look good in a bathing suit here this summer that's a great way to do that long drink uh traditional i love this it's the blue can it's kind of the long drink that sort of started it all it's the the grapefruit flavor it's the gin kick it's like a ready-to-drink cocktail it's a mixed drink in a can super simple easy to enjoy pop the top and just start drinking it or pour it in a glass whatever you want to do that is what the finished long drink can do for you and if you've heard me talk about it but you're not sure where to pick some up if you go to the longdrink.com, if you'll put in your zip code you'll be able to find out uh, where you can find some finished long drink today we love having the finished long drink as a part of around the dog house we love having all of you here today on dog nation daily presented by kroger as well i told you this before before we're done quite possibly a little bit of reason to laugh at alabama well we'll take any chance we can get at that uh we'll do some of that today there's also a couple of interesting spring games speaking of the crimson tide on tap for this weekend as well we'll talk a little bit about that and we'll get ready to wrap up our last live show for a few days here before it's cruise week next week but for now on everything related to UGA recruiting what exactly did go down with Dylan Ryla this week if Ryla does eventually commit what kind of wide receiver talent might he bring with him and is there reason to justify all the buzz that seems to be in place? We will cover all of that right now with Jeff Sintel here today on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a dognation.com insider. We'll say hello to Jeff Sintel here on a Friday, Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. and I'll also get a chance to say hello to Jeff Sintel in person here this weekend too as we prepare to board Independence of the Seas for the second ever cruise with Dog Nation. Can't wait for that. I'm so excited about that. And so... Uh, ready to get rolling with that in a couple of days but of course business to take care of before we get there and Jeff we were manning battle stations earlier this week at least it seemed like we were and Georgia fans everywhere were all abuzz about the possible commitment we thought from five-star quarterback Dylan Riella you did not have to look very far on the internet to find somebody who thought they knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who would tell you something about this uh internet seemed pretty convinced about this at one point in time there was the famous online chatter as I've talked to you about before well, thus far, it's been kind of quiet on that front. So the one question I keep being asked is, hey, B.A., what happened with all this? We're talking about this you know, hot and heavy earlier, and it's kind of gone quiet since then. And so let me go directly to you on this. What did happen a little earlier this week, and how come it's gone quiet now?
2: Well, Brandon, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, I think, Brandon, I guess you just got to rewind things, things a little bit. You know, this was never – uh, you know, like I've had people reach out and they're like, man, this is the longest thing ever. You know, some people are like, this is like trying to select a Pope or this is like Survivor Part 97 or something like. Got to remember here, there was never any formal announcement uh, that anything was coming. There was any ever any informal announcement everything was coming. This was just whispers to kind of sound like something out of Game of Thrones. And since the whispers in this recruiting industry have not been... Fulfilled within a timeline of days, that everybody's getting a little consternation about things. I mean, Brendan, you and I, you, you know as well as I do, we're kind of laughing about this, but I'm sure it will happen when the entire Dog Nation team news one way or the other. It will happen when the entire Dog Nation team is in the middle of Lido Deck uh, on a boat next week, and we'll have to scramble like ants uh, to cover the potential news of where Dylan Riola may or may not go to go to college, or Dylan Riola may even not decide to make his decision until. June. I think I think a lot of it is just, I don't know, this society, society where we're like, got to have it now, need it now. And um, for whatever reason, a lot of these those hints were never marginalized. But again, I, I just got to go back. like I, I have to tell people, like, hey, this was never planned or scheduled here. There was never a delay. It was just anticipation that everybody's waiting.
0: Okay, so you're touching on something that's always really important to me, because I do think when stuff like this happens, there's a tendency on the part of some to sort of blame the player for this. But you're 100 percent right. Dylan Raiola, at least publicly, hasn't done one thing to fan the flames on this because what ends up happening is and Jeff now recruiting talk is a little bit more mainstream than it used to be. But what happens here is, is that for people who don't really follow recruiting or maybe there's a small pocket of college football fans who actually don't like recruiting. And so they want to you know, come out and say, oh, well, this is just a player cultivating attention. This is a guy that just wants attention for himself. Dylan Raiola has not publicly done one thing to bring any of this to the uh to, to the forefront this is all stuff that's happening around him so there's no blame on the part of Riola for this in terms of you know kind of how we get to this point but at the same time what i think is you know a source of curiosity for georgia fans used were like consternation before i don't even put this as a negative i, I don't i haven't heard a georgia fan at least the ones that have talked to me who are like mad about this or, or angry about it or whatever else I just think they're a little bit confused because they don't understand the process when you have so many different pockets of the Internet, you know, all kind of saying the same thing. Pretty clearly, this had to come from somewhere. It's not like, you know, one guy said one thing and then everybody kind of, you know, jumped on that. This was a few people who sort of seemed to think they knew what was going on here. And yet, as of now, that's kind of at least, you know, moving a little slower than than, uh, you know, initially Uh, was anticipated that's the thing i think that some georgia fans have questions about is you know how how is it that something could be such a prolific rumor at one point and then basically kind of quiet after that
2: brennan can i be completely honest with you and your audience this morning please i think i think this world operates too much in an echo chamber where like somebody has some information and then everybody like it's some sort of street fight or something out of Anchorman. They all try to follow up behind the guy and and kind of echo that. Brendan, you can look online and there's a guy I know that has zero sources at Georgia and that does zero reporting on college recruiting. And yet he's popped up a video about Dylan Raiola imminent with another prospect. And there are like 25,000 views for that video already. And I'm I'm like, there's literally nothing substantial in there. It is simply empty calories. And uh, let's just walk this thing back a little bit. Number one, uh, as far as we know, Raiola has only scheduled one official visit. That's to Georgia. Uh, what else do we know? Well, he's had social media, uh, everything jo- about Georgia on his Huddle account, on his Twitter account. He's had social media pro Georgia for a quite a substantial period of time. And now that there's some folks out there chirping and thinking, hey, something's coming. And I think most of the original rumors were something's coming. Something big is coming. And then everybody just kind of followed along. Another blatantly honest thing I got to say about recruiting is here's the way a lot of those crystal balls work. There's one person that's plugged in that has some good information. And that might, might not be even information from the source, it might be information from a trainer, it might be information from uh, a school, it might be information from a school that might be losing or have heard they're losing the recruitment.
0: Yeah.
2: And that guy plugged in very substantial, great reputation, um, shows a track record of getting a lot of these things right when it comes to recruiting, throws their prediction out there. And then a lot of other people, because there's something called a crystal ball forecast ratio or, a, you know, a, some sort of um, metric where folks are, 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 are evaluated and they get a numerical scoring uh, for their correct prediction. prediction. Everybody kind of just ushers in along with that. They're like, they're like, yeah, let me get in on that. Yeah, okay, that guy knows what he's talking about. Let me get in on that. Oh, I talked to somebody. Yeah, that sounds right. Let me get in on that. There's a whole lot. I, I guess I keep coming back to the word, words, whispers and echo chamber. Word. Here's what we know, Brandon. I've heard this from the um, Ryola family. They made a commitment that they looked back on a long time ago that they knew was in haste. They did it too soon. They learned a lot from that process. And now they want to take their time. This is a very prayerful, faith-based, faith-based family. Faith-based family. And they're going to make this decision when it feels right for them, not with what's leaked or not leaked. And there's even people that are getting too far in the weeds here, like they're searching for their timeless Pro V1. And they're going, hey, hold on. I think what's happening is this is a get back at all the recruiting media who have leaked this stuff. So now we're just going to make we're just going to draw it out and take forever that doesn't happen. that is a classic case of overthinking,
0: yeah, yeah, I totally agree. That's like the, <laughs> that's the most superstitious nonsense in the world of oh, too many people heard about it, therefore it's not happening. I, I've always been a big believer in that. Let me ask you a direct question about all of this, though. Are USC Nebraska still recruiting Dylan Riola?
2: Probably. I'm sure they're going to keep trying to. I mean, the definition of recruiting is different. It's have they moved on? Do they keep the fires burning? Uh, I know that the Georgia Bulldogs continue to recruit Dylan Riola. I know that the peer, the, the, the potential peer commitments in Georgia's class continue to recruit Dylan Riolà because um, we 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 walked it through him before the hedges this week, Brent, and I just tried to work on something substantial. and Here's what I know. Here's what if Dylan Riolà did choose Georgia, there would be a lot of dudes in the 2024 class, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, but not limited to the offensive side, that would want to play for Georgia when they get a major. Um, major type of foundational cornerstone class piece like a five-star quarterback. And
0: we'll definitely get to that before we're done. I can promise you that. But my reason for asking that question is, is that I guess what I think a lot of folks are trying to wrestle with now is, is the only open question around Riola when he will announce, or is there still... Obviously, understanding that there's, you know, you never say never in recruiting or anything like that. But is there any other open question about Raiola other than when he'll actually make this announcement and go public?
2: Well, here's another thing that I feel is misinformation too, Brandon. Um, And to answer your question, is there anything left? I don't know if there's anything left. People jump into this um, situation where, um, here's the one rumor I'd like to try and debunk, is okay, everybody's just changing their NIL or their NIL offers are changing or they're coming back and they're gathering more all the Kings courses and all the Kings men in the coffers. I don't feel it's working like that, Brandon, that that way at all. I mean, this young man looks like this is what he did. He decommitted. He took the visit. uh, He took his chance to see Georgia at SoFi Stadium uh, for the national championship with a family friend, Uncle Matthew, Matthew Stafford. I think that's as good a look at Georgia football as probably anyone will ever get. Um, he visited USC, but he's got a quarterback trainer out there at USC. So you can't look at every visit he's taken to USC. as He's going out there just to see USC. Nebraska has family. Nebraska really wants him really bad. He's visited Nebraska. It looked like he took a lot of visits, a lot, i say a couple, uh, in order to really bring a lot of more exposure to the program and a lot of other big-name recruits that wanted to travel with Nebraska to give Nebraska the chance to host those guys and give them a chance. You really only hear about those three um, schools. I think the main thing, if you're looking for what's the next item in the news cycle here with Dylan Riolà, would be still: is he scheduled any more visits? Is he going to see anywhere else? Did he schedule any more officials? And here's a clue: if he schedules more officials, that's a key clue that. You know what? He's not through looking and kicking the tires on his right decision.
0: All right. I want to get to, as you mentioned a moment ago, who might be swayed by the Ryle decision because there's obviously some pretty interesting stuff out there about that this week, too. Prior to that, let me do a couple of other things. First of all, for the good here. Georgia had a chance. I believe you'll end up saying the highest profile visitor for GTA this past Saturday was the five-star athlete KJ Bolden. I guess we believe he's a defensive back in college. He does it on both sides of the ball for Buford, and he is a dazzling prospect. Sounds like he was in Athens on Saturday. You also had a good profile of him uh, at DogNation.com. We had some fun on the show this week with his. Uh, Desire to play at a school that has a Raisin Canes. Obviously, uh, Georgia has that famous chicken restaurant, uh, sh- you know, just a short uh, hop away from campus there. But beyond that, how else did you find Mr. Bolden this week, and how big of a deal was it for Georgia to have Bolden in the building for a uh, G Day this past Saturday?
2: Brandon, I know I'm glad you found that interesting because I know you're breaking a your rule about free funds on your air. That's man. right. Yeah, that's but, right. Um,
0: we don't typically give that away for free.
2: but, uh, I, but you know, for me I just thought it was funny because he told me this a while back and yep. let's back up a second, guys. Um I sat there and, you know, I try to write something about every key target for Georgia like a year before it's really to the finish line of their recruitment. And I, I, I stopped for a second and I must have talked to K J Bolton like, I don't know, ten, fifteen times over the last two years maybe. And I, I thought I look back and I'm like, hold on a second, I've never written like I would say that, starter kit or the foundational KJ Bolden story. So I looked and I'm like, okay, he's in a visit uh, experience uh, story, or he's in a, this is about Will Muschamp story, or he's in a Fred Brown story, or he's in a yada, yada, yada story. But it was never really one specific KJ Bolden story. So I started gathering all of like my material from a lot of interviews. And I was like, I picked up that Raising Cane thing. And, you know, I'm sure somebody, I don't know if you did that, Brendan, but they started to look at all of his contenders in his top 12 <laughs> or whatever. And they went, okay, Raising Kings, yes. Raising Kings, no. But I found it really funny that they're just now building or just built a Raising Kings in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I'm like, well, they're still going to make his top five or top eight. Uh, KJ Bolden told me that he wants to get to his final five and his top five instead of his official visits. Of course, now, Brandon, that's another story, man. I, I reached out to a lot of people over the country. With my information pipeline, and I tried to see, do you really know what's going on with these unlimited visits? I had some people very plugged in tell me that it only starts for 2025. I had other people tell me that um, schools will still be capped at 56. I finally got a clarification from the mighty, from the mighty NCAA, and it felt like something was somebody was coming down with two tablets to talk to me about it when I when I when I linked up. But here's what we learned: starts on July 1st, and it's unlimited and it applies to the class of 2024. I said all that because when I started talking about K.J. Bolden's officials, he can certainly take as many as he wants now, but he's wanting to cut down to a core group um, right around the end of this month, the first of May. I think he's in Louisville this weekend uh, checking out things, and I guess it's better than him being in Alabama for their spring game from the Georgia side's perspective of it. But K.J., man, he's a guy – Fascinating, really. Uh, I he, he he could play either a receiver or a safety. Georgia wants him as a safety DB. He could be a corner at Georgia. If he went to Tennessee, Brandon, he'd be a wide receiver at Tennessee. Bolden told me if he went and play played Ohio State, he knows for a fact, and he's had this conversation with Ryan Day that they got too many dudes at receiver, too many dudes signed, too many dudes in 2023, too many dudes coming in 2024. Okay. So if he went to Ohio State, he would be a safety there, and somehow. He's got a lot of love for Georgia after double-digit visits, Brandon. That Georgia has the nation's number one safety in some services in Peyton Woodard and the nation's number three safety in some services in Jalen Hayward committed. But That doesn't bother him one bit about coming and getting a chance to play in Athens if that's the right choice.
0: All right, so let me ask you a, a question here because I've gotten some questions about this this week. So it's unlimited official visits for the players, but there is still a cap on the number of official visits that a program can host. Is that right?
2: Exactly correct and, um, and is that way you, can say
0: you said 50 something is that what you said that it is
2: fifty six now last year the NCA gave a blanket waiver for schools um, due to some COVID relief, but it was mainly due to the fact that if you had a coaching change or um, a situation like that you could buff up your official visits to 70 um, but now it is one per school uh, for each athlete unless there's a coaching change, and that number stays at 56 so really the kids It's kind of like the buffet at the uh, on our favorite Royal Caribbean cruise ship, kind of in the windjammer. If you want to sample everybody, if you want to sample every station, go ahead. But the stations have to be limited in how many people they can serve. Um, So I think it's going to be which will eventually limit
0: the players too. By the way, I mean you know potentially has the the potential limit on on players there as well. So um, that that's kind of interesting. I have to apologize, I should probably know this, and I don't. Is 56, is that a lot or a little? I mean, this is one of the questions I got this week. Like, how many official visits does Georgia normally host in a given year ballpark figure? I have to admit that I don't really know the answer to that.
2: Well, Georgia would host as many as they could get. They would probably try to host upwards of 70, 75, and I think not feel disenfranchised or restricted by the rules. And one thing about the dogs, they're not quite Clemson, where they only want people to take official visits on certain weekends or only people that have, um, you know, or really have a committable offer can take an official visit. But the number is 56, Brandon. I think they were at like 50 officials last year by the time that Steven started. Pretty close to it, like 47, 48. So what well, you got to remember, Georgia's going to sign 25, 26, 27, 8 guys in this class. Um, and 56 is not that terribly bad of a, of a limitation. You got to you got to figure what they're trying to get done. I mean, there's also the thing, Brandon. That I mean. A guy like K.J. Bolton who's seen Georgia 10 times. Other guys have seen Georgia 4 or 5, especially if you are in-state. Everybody was still in the old world, which was a year ago. They would sit there and go, no, 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 that's an easy trip for me. Mom and, da- Mom and Dad and I can make that with a tank of gas. No problem. Um, let's say the officials for the Oregon's, the Miami's, the time zone crossing trips. Well, now kids have a lot of flexibility to do a lot more and more with that, but Here's one thing that's going to happen, Brent. because every, I think this was, we've said it before in your program, I think this was kind of ham-handed. I think this was kind of a a market correction too far to one extreme. But you're going to see schools like Georgia, and they're going to go, hmm, should we really host Timmy Jenkins, the five-star tight end, on his eighth or ninth official visit? Um, We don't really know if he's certainly about playing or just he just wants meals and photo shoots and to hang out and just get to meet a whole lot of guys and really enjoy the college football experience. I do we really want a guy that really is invested in thinking about Georgia's here to run a professional program, to win championships, and to uh, hand out a lot of rings at spring games, and not so much all the pomp and circumstances. K.J. Bolden even shared a good thought with me, Brandon, as he said that Georgia, in terms of the 2024 class and the guys that K.J. Bolden talks to, is not seen as a cool school to take your official visit to. Because lots of people like the flash, they like games, they like entertainment, they like, I don't know, everything short of a slip and slide contest or a knife throwing contest or an axe throwing contest and big time photo shoots with energy and cars and everything else. Georgia's really not about that. So if JJ even says, you know, some guys if they're looking for all that, they're probably not gonna choose Georgia because Georgia's offense Georgia's official visits aren't really built
0: like that. talk uh, so about Landon Thomas for a minute, elite tied in from the class of twenty twenty four that uh, has flipped to Florida State here. Um you know, Jeff obviously Moultrie is about as close to Tallahassee as you can be without actually being in Tallahassee. So there's a geographic advantage for Florida State here. Uh there's a, you know, depth chart advantage here because of how much tight end depth Georgia has in the program. But I, I guess beyond that, what's the story here for Thomas and what are the chances that Georgia could get back in here? Because even though I was kind of joking on social media this week about, you know, Georgia having a bunch of tight ends and not necessarily sweating this, the truth is if Georgia could get back in on Thomas, I'd certainly like that because uh, I do like the player a lot. So, you know, what is going on with Thomas? Is this it? Does Georgia now move on? Or uh, is there still a candle in the window if Thomas wants to change his mind?
2: Yeah, Brandon, I, I think I might call the Landon Thomas a, a bare type decommitment. And what I mean by that is there's um probably no looking back here. We gotta remember, we gotta educate some folks as well. I know everybody's gonna look at this as a five star tight end decommitting from Todd Hartley's room and the two time national champions, the back to back national champions, but we roll if we roll the clock a long way back, Landon Thomas was initially committed to Florida State for about eight, nine months. And then he gets an offer from Georgia and then he decommits from uh Florida State and then um about six, seven months later, he commits to Georgia and he stays committed for about another seven, eight months. So it is a recommitment to Florida State. By the way, Brandon, I don't know if you're paying attention, but not only is South Carolina killing it on the recruiting trail, but Florida State is as well. Yeah. like Florida State's going to make that power move um, at the expense of the Gators and the Hurricanes and all that NIL. Big time, big time. There's a world here where, you know, Cam Davis, I don't know if you saw that, but Cam Davis, who was entertaining... Interest from Georgia, even though he's been committed to Florida State for a long time, shut down his recruitment. That's a five star running back that Georgia was expecting to stay in the game late with. They're trending for five star corner Charles Lester, a guy that visited Georgia often over the last year, and Georgia seems that feel what it was looking for at the cornerback spot. And then there's also a big time offensive tackle out of Pensacola, Jonathan Daniels, probably yeah. the one of them with the more athletic tackles in the class. And all of a sudden, you start seeing a way where Clark State might have four or five, five stars in their class, which is certainly bodes well for the future no of doubt. Norvell at Clark State. No doubt. But um, he's got, I mean, the Thomas recruitment, I think what it does is it really opens up doors for Georgia's next tight end, Brandon. This is a perfect segue for what you kind of tease we we're going to talk about. But just to know the name Jaden Riddell, that's a guy out of peculiar Missouri. He's going to give Georgia an official. He has been going to spots that Rayola has also gone to, taking some um, taking some tandem visits together as well. Um, on3.com has him, has him as the nation's number one tight end. There's another tight end news that came out of the last couple of weeks, Colton Heinrich, out of uh, Cardinal Gibbons in Fort Lauderdale. Speaking of official visits, he has established his official visit in May. Now, that's a three-star tight end out of a a program in Fort Lauderdale that Brandon throws the ball probably about every time they breathe down there. Um, So that's a guy that you sit there. Here's another thing, Brandon. We've talked about this on Before the Hedges. Georgia only offered like six tight ends in this class so far. One of those was Thomas. So you got Riddell, you got Heinrich, you got Caleb Odom, a recent offer out of the state of Georgia. A lot of these are wide receivers that have the size and frame to come down and play tight end, but – not only hasn't offered a lot of tight ends in his class, so where he goes down there from Landon Thomas is not a very long list. All right,
0: final topic, and this is kind of a big one, but uh, I, I want to try to cover it as you know, quickly as we can here, I guess. But going back to the issue of wide receiver, the the possibility of the Dylan Raiola news, what that could have an impact here. Obviously, also, as relates to Landon Thomas, his high school teammate, Nicar, is Car swayed by Thomas' decision at all? We haven't talked a ton about Brian Hartline this week, but he had some unflattering headlines connected to his name. Does that have an impact on Jeremiah Smith, who may be the best, you know, one of the very best players in the country, regardless of position here right now? There's been a lot of chatter about Ryan Wingo. Terrence Edwards gave us some of that yesterday. Uh, there's been a very significant online chatter about Wingo in Georgia this week, too. Jeff, give me kind of a sort of a broad brush here on wide receiver uh, in light of everything that I just mentioned.
1: Yeah,
2: there's a lot. Uh, I think, you know, Wingo's, I guess, the place to start because it kind of fed the flames a little bit of the Dylan Raiola stuff we spoke about in the opening of our segment. In the opening of our segment, there was some crystal balls for Wingo and there was an official visit set for Wingo. And then everybody was like, okay, this is connected to Dylan. It's happening. And they're running through the aisles of their um, home just waiting for news to drop. Wingo, Brandon, is a terrific receiver. And the only way I can simply say this is we're talking about a guy that has George Pickens-type talent at receiver. Um, Maybe even a little bit more. I would say Jeremiah Smith has more than George Pickens-type talent at receiver, especially what they've shown so far throughout high school. And these are two guys that a name like Royola will get you in the door with if you're Georgia. Everything else that Georgia has got going for it, you can add that five-star quarterback piece. To uh, to them mix right there, then you really have something um, to cook up a really strong class, and that's what you're seeing right now with uh, that's what you're seeing right now with a lot of this chatter. But Wingo Man is a guy that um, I-, I talked to his high school coach. I talked to Wingo. Those two guys are boys. They're really tight. They've established. They want to take a lot of their officials together. They're good, kind of like potential roommates. Um, if they do end up going to the same college, that's what they're going to really try to do goes a guy, Brandon, there's one sequence I saw on film that I talked about with his coach, Brandon, where he's also the punter on his high school team. Not only does he run a 10 5 but he punts. So he has one sequence where I think he runs for a first down on a fake punt. And then the next sequence, he kicks a 43-yard punt, off the corner of the one-yard line. And then the next sequence, I think he throws a pass on another fake punt. Um, for a big gain and a big big fourth down conversion. And you think about that, when you've got a player that talented and you get the fourth down, that should not be the worry down. But when you've got a, you know, like a Hines Ward plus type athlete, a guy that's a true burner in the kick return game and big frame, Brandon, already a well over 200 pounds, going to be probably 205, 210 pounds. We're talking about these names and I wanted to put it in folks' minds' eye, the following. These are receivers that, Ohio State trust that every year um, that they send uh, to the first round of the NFL draft. And to put that at Georgia with a five-star arm, the potential there is
0: just incredible. Uh, really good stuff, uh, Jeff. Thanks for being here today. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the uh, cruise next week. Uh, self-service at the end sort of sounds like you already are on the cruise. But nonetheless, uh, we are happy to uh, have you here. Uh, very right. interesting information. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. I think we lost Jeff. There you go. All right, let's go. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. Yeah, I wanted to try to get that up at the wide receivers because it's interesting. And I know there was a little bit of sell thing going on there. So hopefully oh, we got that in. Uh, but we also went very long with Jeff. So maybe <laughs> maybe he just needed to pause another quarter in the um in, in the machine. There. I'm not quite sure what that was. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, interesting stuff as it relates to Jeff. And he also kind of brings up an interesting point about Florida State is that, you know, Florida State's not in the same conference as Georgia. They don't really play to them in the field, although they do have some non-conference uh, you know, games coming up sometime in some future year. But I think you've got to look at Florida State right now as a real program. This is a living, breathing program after being pretty dormant now for a while. You know, They have a chance to win the ACC this year if you're thinking about those kind of fringe playoff type teams they sort of have a chance to be uh at least in the conversation of that you know we talked we will talk i should say on one of our vacation shows next week we have a good idea for sec through for next week our crews are in the sec we're looking at a big game for every sec team as a way of kind of telling the story about where that sec team is right now moving into the final phase of the offseason and obviously already a lot of interest in that florida state lsu game to begin this year last year they played new orleans It was a wild game this year that game shifts to orlando you know a little closer to the florida state side of things here this time so so florida state's an interesting team right now and obviously proven to be a factor here in the land of thomas recruitment it sounds like jeff thinks that's over so there you go on that now speaking of cruising let's get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and what is our final live show here today before next week we're on board the dog nation cruise jeff will be there mike griffith is going to be there so many of you going to be there as well in fact i continue to hear from a lot of you who are excited about that and i'm excited about it too i can't wait for it and for those of you that can't be there obviously we believe that a royal caribbean cruise vacation be a great thing for you your family your friends whatever else uh sometime this summer heading towards the fall uh holiday travel early 2024 the debut of icon of the seas uh the brand new cruise ship the royal caribbean is about to unveil up to the entire world whichever cruise option you think is best for you the three nights day the four nights day the seven nights day on one of those uh wonderful oasis class ships stopping by perfect day coco K. maybe it's a different kind of itinerary not too soon to start thinking about alaska travel for the summer there as well uh all kinds of great stuff going on with that our good friend jessica slater travel agent specially selected for us by royal cribbing can help you out with it all 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 she knows royal cribbing she's gonna be with us next week on board jessica's always a lot of fun to uh, travel with and she is also uh really fun to help you get your own travel squared away so she's got a great website RoyalDogs.com. she put that together for the dog nation cruise but if you want to check out RoyalDogs.com, it can also get you in touch with her directly there as well if the phone number is hard to remember so jessica's great terrific travel agent we're gonna have a great time on board independence of the seas next week and you can have your own royal caribbean cruise that's just as fun for you so talk to jessica about that she can help you out with all of that All right. So yesterday we talked about a rumor around Alabama and we kind of jokingly said yesterday that when it comes to Georgia, the main topic on this show, we're pretty careful about which rumors that we give voice to, which ones we don't, because, you know, big audience, you know, you just got to be careful, stuff like that. We are not quite as careful when it comes to like sort of spewing rumors about other programs. We're a little bit more free about what we talk about. But as it turns out, this rumor may have been true, that there was some uh, chatter that uh, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Miami quarterback, might be going to be coerced into the transfer portal and he might land at a place like Alabama now what was funny to me is is that I always like rumors that are offshoots of other rumors and what I had a couple people tell me was hey listen don't be quite so sure that if Van Dyke enters the transfer portal it's Alabama that'll actually outbid everybody for services then there's a couple of SEC teams right now who may be so desperate for quarterback they may actually come up and pony up and outbid Alabama for Van Dyke if he indeed does enter the transfer portal but as it turns out, by appearances, that's all just meaningless conjecture and and, and a moot point here at this uh, time, because Miami, the program that Van Dyke plays for, put out a very interesting tweet. Van Dyke himself has retweeted this based on some reports that are also out there. This appears to be a, a little bit of an end to the Tyler Van Dyke story. Do we have the tweet from Miami we can show here? Uh, Miami kind of putting this out there. Do we have that? Maybe we don't. But basically, is a picture of Tyler Van Dyke basically yeah here we go so what Miami says is we're relentlessly working we're all focused on 2023 which is kind of uh, all focused on 2023 100% Kane. hashtag go cane. it's a picture of tyler van dyke van dyke retweeted this from his own account there as well that in our modern times is about as close of an announcement as we get to the fact that van dyke is not transferring he's not taking somebody else's nil deal he probably got a bigger nil deal from miami to stay there after really having about an average as grit season a year ago it's just kind of fun <laughs> what the president of the portal does for your market value at times but nonetheless after a day's worth of Tyler Van Dyke talk Alabama fans talking themselves into Van Dyke as the second coming of Bryce Young or whatever else all of a sudden Van Dyke has decided that he uh, is going to stay at Miami so this coming like a day before the Alabama spring game where now we can know for sure that Nick Saban knows he does not have a good quarterback on his roster so much so that he's out there looking for another transfer quarterback all of a sudden now you really can go wah, wah, wah. it does not work out so well for alabama here so listen if they went after van dyke that probably means they're going to go after somebody else i guess but this also means convincing that guy to enter the transfer portal because of the guys currently in the portal i just don't know you know what you want here really because there weren't big time quarterbacks there this winter you've heard me say that now uh, many many times so Alabama seemingly by appearances tried to convince Van Dyke to enter the portal I guess uh, tampering be damned didn't work so now maybe they'll try that with somebody else but it's not exactly the most ringing endorsement of Milroe and Ty Simpson ahead of Saturday's Alabama spring game and all of a sudden man this makes <laughs> i have never wanted to watch a spring game so bad i want to tune in to see how bad these two guys are now the problem is i don't quite know if i have enough bandwidth to find like the dark web where this game is being streamed somewhere you know i'm not quite so sure that i can find the streaming internet uh you know site that this uh thing is on no no tv of course for the alabama spring game uh but if we did tune in i'm guessing we'd see ty simpson and jalen Milro not exactly looking the part and alabama fans are maybe hoping they're gonna get tyler van dyke but now they are not so we'll see where they turn after that by the way speaking of spring games alabama and also colorado kind of on tap for tomorrow and the colorado thing is interesting here for me because you know, Deion sanders look you can debate how good of a coach you think he's going to be eventually. I think at Colorado, he has a chance to really win. I don't think they're going to do it immediately. I think they'll be lucky to win four games this year. They may win five, but I don't believe they'll have a winning record. I don't believe they'll go to a bowl game. This is not that kind of team. Even with you know Shadur quarterback and Travis Hunter and Cormani McClain, this is still you know – three players like that are not changing the fortunes of a team that was about the worst team in the country a year ago. That overall, the first-year expectations for Colorado are probably wildly too high. But in the long run, the sort of long-term expectations for Colorado may not be quite high enough that in terms of kind of building this into kind of a consistent winner, eight, nine games a year, you know, regular bowl appearances, good enough to get the attention of another job. Could I see Deion Sanders doing that? I absolutely could. Because the one thing that Dion is very good at doing, and y'all, this is part of the job, and Dion just sort of seemed to do it naturally, wherever the coach, many of them anyway, bend over backwards to try to do this, and they still have a hard time succeeding. Dion is very good at cultivating attention. And I know that's not what football's supposed to be. It's supposed to be about X's and O's and getting out there and doing it on the field. But the truth is, in college football, attention is currency, and there's never enough of it to go around. And Dion gets a lot of it. Do you know how little people in Colorado have cared about college football for a long time? Since Bill McCartney was coached there, probably. (laughs) It's been a long time since anyone has cared about Colorado Buffalo's football. And tomorrow, their spring game, my understanding is it's sold out. That's a little bit of an idea of the interest he's generating in a program that for a long time has had no interest whatsoever this is the pac-12 the pac-12 in general doesn't have a lot of interest for its various league schools but dion's cultivating a lot of that and y'all that translates it translates from another job certainly if you can do that way out west where they just care a little bit less down here in the South, you better believe Deion could potentially do that even more. So Deion is a natural at something that really matters. He's just a natural at generating attention for himself and generating attention for the team that he works for. And that's part of the job of a coach. And so, in addition to, you know, uh, the chance to also be a good coach in the field, being a good coach away from the field when it comes to the stuff like spring games and all the stuff that recruits and transfers and things like that pay attention to, Deion very, very good at that. Now, let me say one more thing about the Alabama spring game on Tapper tomorrow there as well. And this is, I guess, the closest I'm going to come at an attempt to be somewhat fair and balanced. While I do think the Alabama quarterback scenario is probably pretty ugly right now, I think if you do find a way to, you know, find enough internet somewhere to uh, watch this thing, um you know uh dial up or whatever else this this thing's airing on I do think that you're going to see a pretty talented Alabama defense young defense young guys ready to contribute and some of this is going to probably sting a little bit I mean you know Georgia never really seemed to have much of a real shot with Caleb Downs you know Downs was always seemingly intent to go somewhere else either Ohio State or Alabama Alabama obviously won that recruitment Everything that I've heard coming out of Alabama Spring practice here thus far is is that Downs is probably as good as we thought that he was. And as a major freshman contributor for Alabama this season, I'm guessing Downs probably will be. And if you watch the spring game tomorrow, you'll probably see some of that. I think the same thing's probably true with Quay Russo a little bit too. Russo, another one of those you know, kind of freshman guys who I think is sort of generating some buzz there right now. So I think you're gonna probably see a pretty good Alabama defense tomorrow. Um, you know, I think that you know Kevin Steele is not a spectacular hire, but he is a competent coach. There were obviously coaches that Alabama wanted more than Steele. Jeremy Pruitt probably be the one that wanted most of all. But Steele is not a bad DC, at least not in the last few years. He's been a pretty competent, you know, competent defensive coordinator, and I think he's got some pretty good young talent to work with here. So, you know, one of the things that will make Alabama a, you know, a contender at least a threat is the fact that even if they're not quite as great a quarterback as they've been, they may be a little bit better defensively than we've at times seen them be. And young players may help them do it, the downs in particular. So we'll be fair and balanced a little bit to say there probably will be some decent offensive talent on display there uh, on Saturday if you get a chance to watch that. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And of course, we're excited about cruising ourselves, man. Dog Nation Cruise next week. So, this is our last live show. We're pre recorded, great pre recorded shows on tap Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll take a podcast break on Friday. We'll do a live video thing with Connor to kind of catch up on the week. And then the following Monday, we'll be back like normal, the way we always are. So, hopefully, that all makes sense. And we'll take a little bit of a break from our golden shoes next week just because I'm not here to. Cultivate all of those, but I have two good ones to say goodbye to you here with this week, including Robert Reynolds sharing this bgd podcast about uh, a, a, tr- a trend on Twitter yesterday. hashtag It was a huge mistake. Uh, so DGD says. Uh, so I figured someone needed to uh, see this mistake. Breaking news: Florida has hired Billy Napier. Yeah, that may turn out to be a very big mistake for those lousy sneaking Gators. Robert, thanks for sharing that. We like the uh, having fun with all of that. By the way, speaking of the Dog Nation Cruise uh at dog cruiser on twitter says that he missed the original release of the asw georgia heartwood national championship just like i missed the first dog nation cruise but this year i'm gonna get both you see a nice collection of uh bourbons there for uh, mr dog cruiser and apparently having plans to be on the dog nation cruise with us next week so we can't wait to see you and for all of you're gonna be on board with us can't wait to have you there and maybe the rest of you can be there next time but of course For those of you who can't, we'll have great shows for you next week. We will see you then for that. And as we say goodbye to you today, lousy, stinking Gators speaking to them. How about 190 days from now, Georgia back in Jacksonville beating Florida again in what might be the final cocktail party. But whatever it is, we're going to enjoy it as Georgia gets another win against the Florida Gators. And then back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Croker. We will. Talk to you then.